We are back underway. Cool Button Hockey Podcast, episode 88. There was a time, and I was watching the 91 World Junior clips the other day, and I saw Eric Lennon. There was a time that Eric was 88. Obviously, Patrick Kane is now 88. But when I was a kid, I hated the Boston Bruins for all the high numbers. And remember when we went to 80, like Ken Hodge wrecked it for everybody. Ken Hodge wrecked it, 88, 77, all these crazy numbers. And now, Craig, when Guillaume Laton dress in 80 or 06 wore 84, every number was used. We've every number is used, Craig. Will we ever see triple digits, Craig? Well, no, we, we won't see triple digits. But think about one of the coolest moments that I think I've, I, I've seen. And, 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 you know, I'll go to 2001. It involved Ray Bork when Joe Sackick took the cup and just gave it right to Ray Bork. Joe Sackick never raised it above his head. He took it and gave it right to Ray Bork. When they went to retire Phil Esposito's number seven, Ray Bork wore number seven. And when he took off his jersey at the retirement ceremony to unveil number 77, and he said to Phil, this is your number seven. Well, like, what an unbelievable moment. So, like, you know what? Like, okay, we have double-digit numbers because numbers have been retired. But just think about that glorious moment of respect. Ray Bort to Phil Esposito, 77. We got it. We, so you talk about 88, you talk about Ken Hodge ruining it. Well, another Boston Bruin, one of the magical moments in hockey. And it was, and it's too bad it wasn't now because it would have been all over social media. Yeah. I guess, I don't think we watched that live. TSN wasn't doing the game or hockey night. They only did Saturdays. It was a great moment. And because like, I have the shoulder pads and the equipment, Nobody knew that Ray, except Ray and a few people, had both sweaters on. You imagine wearing two sweaters now, you know? It, it, it was great. And I almost say this. How could Ray have come into Boston and somebody say, how about seven? Like, it, it would never... You imagine coming to Montreal now and saying, okay, you want four, 10, 12, <laughs> 16. It would never... But anyway, it was a great moment. But, Craig, we are the era of masks, no masks, uh, the uh, Sam Saint Laurent, the last guy to wear a form-fitting mask. Then we went to the cage. Then we changed to this new style. We've seen it all. The numbers, like we are part of a great the Summit Series International Hockey. Say what you want. Us is sort of mini geezers here. We've seen it all. I love the era I was born because we got to see or the masks and the numbers. And the kids today are saying, "What are you talking about?" Like I love Cole Perfetti, but he's wearing ninety-one. And you know these things bug me, Craig, but I shouldn't let them bug me. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of the reason they wear those numbers is because they want to wear the numbers of their idols, right? And, and, and players they, they watch growing up. So it, 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 it is cool in that respect. You know, Steve, think about it when you were growing up. Everybody wanted to wear nine or wear, wanted to wear number four, right? Like there was numbers that people always wanted to be able to get number 10. Well, now that those numbers are retired, nobody gets to nobody sees number nine in a Montreal Canadiens jersey. So Rocket Richard isn't their hero. Maybe 22 will be the new guy with Cole Caulfield scoring all those goals, while people forget that Steve Schott scored all those goals before him wearing 22. So, you know, I think it, it, it speaks to the to, to the era. And keep in mind, you just talked about you know, what we see and what we don't see. The kids today get to see everything. They get to see it on video. They get to see it on social media. They get to see it on broadcast. It's unbelievable their ability to tap in and say, I want to wear 71 because Malkin's my favorite player. And I happen to live in Denver, Colorado. 
And, you know, I'm going to wear 29 because I love Nathan McKinnon and I live in, I live in Nashville, right? It, it, it's, we know the kids in Cole Harbor are going to wear 29 because that's, <laughs> that's what they do. Well, they might not just be wearing 29. Let's not forget about 87. I don't want to be creating a controversy here, but I, I think that the way people consume the game now is fascinating. And what you see, it would be great if we could see some of these things from pre, can you imagine and, and, and I wanted, I, I meant to say this the other day, but Dave Dryden, who I knew, and I knew pretty well, just passed away. But can you imagine the only time in NHL history that two brothers faced off against each other in, in like Buffalo and Montreal, Ken Dryden, and Punch Imlac had the sense to know <laughs> that I got to put Dave in here because th- there could be history being made. It was, think about that. And you know, like Dave worked in a lot of different, he was a coach, he worked in hockey ops, he, he was a really, really uh, uh, interesting guy. And to me, learned a lot from him when I was uh, working in the NHL as a manager and in different areas, because he was quite involved, quite involved uh, in, in player safety, long before the player safety department, trying to evaluate where injuries were occurring from, really, really uh, significant uh, you know, so condolences to Dave Dryden and his family and his many, many friends. Well, I remember Dryden versus Dryden, so I was of the vintage. And then for whatever reason, there was a kid's show called The Polka Dot Door, very popular, and Dave Dryden appeared on it. And when I saw him in studio on The Polka Dot Door with Pokeroo and every it for a kid, that's why when people say, why are we doing some things and NFL has the cartoon channel. I'm okay with trying some things in broadcasting on a kid. Like, because for me to see an NHL player in his Sabres sweater on Polka Dot Door, which, you know, that's kind of my other world. And then on Sesame Street, they've done things before. I think those things are important. Like, I went on Rupper's podcast yesterday, and people talked to me about why Molson. Molson has ingrained Molson in my head since I was four. And Esso. And, like, that's rightly or wrongly that's how you either advertise brainwash or like the connection that's that's why with numbers when you say a number we know numbers right whether we like the high numbers or don't like the high numbers and you have to think how vulnerable we are or what a sponge we are at a young age if you show someone peter puck and these are the rules and here's how you play the game we absorb that that's why people learn languages better at a young age then when they're older and that's why skill development and it's all ties into hockey because these kids now, you know, Stamkos and Hedman have this commercial Hedman's holding his kid. And Steve says, uh-huh. you know, is he skating yet? He's six months old. Well, I guess hockey's not his thing. It is kind of funny because Craig, what we're seeing now on the ice is a product of these other guys that wore the high numbers that watch the other guys that wore the low numbers that are doing all the skill development stuff. And then in this McDavid era of watching McDavid at 15 at that midget showcase that me and Mike Johnson called and Barzell and these, we weren't taught that. We weren't doing those things. And this product of of almost a decade of make a play, attack the triangle, skill development, all these things, it is leading to what we're seeing. It's like everyone's a magician. We only used to have a few magicians. Now everyone's got these tricks and plays. And I, I'm t- I don't know where it's going to go. I find it fascinating, fascinating, Mr. Button. 
I, oh, I do too. I mean, and, 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 you know, waiting for players to use their imagination and creativity. I mean, it, it's fantastic. Like you, you think about things like the spinorama, right? Like the Savardian spinorama. Well, there was the Serge Savardian spinorama and then there was the Denny Savard spinorama, which were two different types of spinoramas. Right. But like, you know, you think about that creativity, right. And yeah, you, you think about, you know, how, how players are trying to manage, you know, different aspects of the game to be successful. And that's why you have to be creative and you have to be imaginative. I wanted to go back when you talked about Molson. So, you know, growing up in Montreal, watching, watching the Canadians, I still remember this like it was yesterday, Steve. The Quebec Nordiques came in the league. I remember watching a broadcast and it was like, and this uh, whatever brought to you by Carly O'Keefe. And we're like, Carly O'Keefe? Like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about, Carly O'Keefe? Like, really? The Nordiques, like, they have to go to Carly O'Keefe? Like, you know, we we thumbed our noses at the Quebec Nordiques because they had to get Carly O'Keefe because they couldn't get the real beer sponsor, Molson. <laughs> Sabres did the same thing. Every, like, you know, one is Coke, one's Pepsi, one's Molson, what's Carly O'Keefe? Like, I, I, I love all of that stuff. And it's so fascinating. And it's all part of our lives. Like it's part of our lives and it's fun. Like it's fun to have gone through it. It's fun for trivia. I love some of these sites. They'll send a picture and say, what goalie is this? And some kids are probably looking at it. They wore that equipment. I look at that equipment and say, I had that blocker. I had that catcher. I had that glove. Um, And it's great. It really is good. And I think that we learn as we go, you know, forward and we learn in many different ways. And I don't care what era teams win and teams lose. Teams make mistakes and teams dig themselves in, into holes. And yesterday, you know, our buddy Bruce, who's from that era, who was up and down, you know, AHL, NHL, and has carved out a great career as a coach. And, and I don't know if you've ever said these words, Craig, and I want to get them right. Boudreaux supported after all five and two start. We're going to find a way out of this, says Patrick Alvin. Is that the kiss of death or do you buy? Are you buying what Patrick Alvin is saying to our buddy Bruce? Well, I'll tell you a couple of things. Like, you know, it's, it's interesting. So, you know, I, I, I guess you have to buy it until they say they're making a change or whatnot. You know, it's always interesting. I remember when, uh, when Ken King became the president of the Calgary flames, I was, I was moving into my second year as manager and we got talking and uh, you know, you, you have those meetings, new, new, new president and CEO comes in. I said to Ken, I said, there's only one thing I want from you. There's only one thing I want from you. And I, I expect from you. the moment you believe that I am no longer the person you want in the job, you need to let me know immediately. And you need to move on. You don't need to sit on it and say, I told people, you know, I felt I should have done this two months ago, or I should have done this three months ago. The minute you feel that there needs to be a change and you don't have the faith in me or the confidence in me, make the change. That's the only thing I'm ever going to ask of you, right? We can debate and argue and disagree on a lot of things. That, when that day, and I'll never, I'll like, you know, and I, 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 it's never easy to be told that somebody doesn't want you. But I remember when he, when, he, when he called me in and he said, Craig, he goes the time and he goes, and he told me, he said, I want you to know. He goes, I debated this and you know, here, here's where we're at today. I said, fair enough. I don't like it. I don't, you know, there's a lot, but it's not going to change anything. So when it comes to Bruce Boudreaux, and I've heard lots of things about, oh, yeah, okay, change the coach. I get it. 
change the coach. I, I don't know how changing the coach changes their fundamental problem. I, I, I just don't know how it changes. And like, I can hear, and, and I heard Patrick Alvin talk about, well, there were some things with our structure and how we played. And, you know, it was almost like, you know, he, he was giving Bruce, like, you know, faint praise for last year. Well, teams didn't take it seriously, you know, but really, hey, listen, I, I can only tell you this, and, and Patrick Alvin should get really, really better informed on the Vancouver market. That market had given up on the Canucks. They, 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 they'd given up on the Canucks, and there was no hope. And Bruce, he brought back a sense of hope for the Vancouver Canucks fans. Patrick Alvin and all the rest of the management should recognize that. You know what? Oh, they played down to our level. You know what? People weren't taking us seriously. Hey, you want to know something? There was a lot of hope. And guess what? And I'm going to call it right as the way it is. That management group didn't address their biggest problem. That was evident to everybody. You know? So, you know what? You want to talk about structure? You didn't do your job to strengthen the team. You didn't do your job management. And that's why the team is struggling mightily. So if you don't want Bruce, just go make up your minds and remove him and get somebody else in there that you might have confidence in. He's not your problem. The problem is management didn't address the problem. And the mirror, they should stand in front of it and look at themselves. So I work for you. We're on the boardroom conversation. Craig, we have a problem with the defense. You've said it. Why then did you get Andre Kuzmenko? Why then did you spend money on Ilya Mikheyev when they could have gone C defenseman Ilya Labushkin, B defenseman Ben Sherratt, or even been in the conversation for Brent Burns? Maybe they didn't want Brent Burns, but isn't the problem the right side? Isn't Burns doing good things at an aging? Like, so remember, remember we've talked before about options. Let's have options. Okay, we want to go hiking. What happens if uh, they won't let you cross the stream? It's too dangerous. Well, we hike's over. No, we've got options. We'll go around. We'll go over. We'll take a whatever. So Vancouver sits in the room, and the light bulb goes off. Who is the person that says, Ilya Mikheyev, Andre Kuzmenko. I understand if Kuzmenko is basically free, and you can fit him in after you've acquired one or two defensemen. Explain that to me. That's the part I just don't get. Well, I can't explain it to you. I can't. And I'll tell you this, Steve. So, it, it, so if you're going to get Ilya Mikheyev and you're going to get uh, uh, Kuzmenko, no problem. I got no problem with that. Well, that would seem to me to lead to, okay, now we got a lot of really good forwards. Now we can move a forward or two to address our biggest problem. Right. The, 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 and, and so they didn't like, so you wait, you watch, you, you, you watch in other teams. Uh, I, I watch Ron Hextall. He says, I got to change my blue line. I trade for Jeff Petrie. I go and sign Jan Ruta, you know, Nils Lundqvist was available. You know what? Like bottom line, I, I'm watching him play in Dallas. He's helping the Dallas Stars, right shot defenseman, 21 years of age. You mentioned Sherratt. You mentioned Lyabushkin, right? The, 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 you know what? It, it, it's there. It's there. It, 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 does it does it just come together really easily? No, you got to work at it all the bloody time. I, I, I remember myself in Calgary. I've been through this, and I've been through this. You know what? Like I, 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 I we traded for Jordan Leopold, but I remember being on the phone with Steve Kotlowitz, an agent. And we were just talking about some players, and he just mentioned to me just. I didn't even know. He said, what do you think of Andrew Ferentz? And I said, oh, I've always liked Andrew Ferentz. 
And he said, yeah, he goes, I'm not so sure that, uh, uh, you know, he, uh, that Pittsburgh, there's going to be a place for him in Pittsburgh. So oh, I phoned Craig Patrick right away. Now we didn't get the deal done real quickly, but we ended up finally getting Andrew Ference. Now by trading for Jordan Leopold, he turns pro by getting Andrew Ference into our lineup that afforded me the opportunity to trade a really good defenseman, Derek Morris, to address a real issue on our team at center ice. And we ended up trading for Chris Drury and Stefan Yell. <laughs> so like anybody wants to sit here and I hear people say, oh, the media, I lived it. I did it. <laughs> so like, no, it's, is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. And like, but you got to work it all the time. I'm just giving you one example. The Vancouver Canucks didn't do it. And to this point in time, they have failed their fan base and their players. They have failed their fan base and their players. Is there a way out of it? Yeah, there's a way out of it. And you better get after it. But if you're asking me if it's Bruce's issue, no, not at all. Well, speaking of the media, so, you know, you listen to things, you read some things. So now <clears throat> there's chatter of going after Connor Bedard. Excuse me? And I'm not going to say where I heard it. Gord Stelic asked me about it Monday. The Vancouver Canucks couldn't try to be as bad. You know, Arizona's home for four and then away for like 500 games and back. The Vancouver Canucks could not try to be worse than what Chicago, Arizona, San Jose, and Montreal will probably be. Like, you better know your team. You've taught me a long time ago. There's so much talent there. That's why this is so frustrating. Oh, we're just going to change. So I'm going to buy the house, and we're going to uh, have two acres, and we're going to buy a running motor. I don't like the neighbor. We're going to buy a condo now in Manhattan. What? Like you, how can you flip this? Like, and so that part was media driven. Please tell me that you can't go from trying to make the playoffs and win a round to try to finish. Remember, it's got to be bottom three now, right? To be in that conversation. They're too good, Craig. Please, please tell me to be that bad. And is that your plan going into a year? If we start 05 and 2, we're going to go after the top players in this upcoming draft. I, I find that whole idea ludicrous. Hey, hey, here, here. I'm with you 100%. You know, first of all, you get an 18% chance to get the first overall pick. Or like, okay, so you want to give yourself an 18% chance. That's fine. I, I look at the Vancouver Canucks, number one goaltender, number one defenseman, terrific forwards, okay? So the, 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 it's not like this team is lacking in significant areas of your team. They're not lacking. Were there... Were, were, were there shorts and 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 what's affecting them in a significant manner is the blue line is the composition of the blue line and you know like you 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 consider a lot of different things when you talk about trying to improve the team and now you, because Connor Bedard's from from the lower mainland and now you think oh we'll get Connor Bedard that'll be really nice you know what do you just want to continue to beat up your fan base you want to just continue to beat up your fan base and you know what? I, I hear a lot about, oh, the owner, the owner's to blame. How is the owner to blame? Like the owner hires people to come in and, and make decisions to, to improve the team. Like, you know, this idea that we'll just tank. Okay, so the Chicago Blackhawks have tanked. Well, guess what? It's a hockey market and they'll have 5,000 people in the building because people aren't going to go go watch a, a, a cruddy product. They're not going to do it. They're not buying it. And when the team becomes good again, whenever that is, they'll come back. The Vancouver Canucks have a passionate fan base, but when you're the owner and 
you know, you're looking at it and going, wait a sec, we got to do this. We have Bruce Boudreaux and everything that goes with it. Yeah, you can say, okay, could, could this improve a little bit? Could we say, okay, Bruce has got to be, you know, 15% responsible? Yeah, like I, I buy that. But the, the issue is the issue is the issue. <laughs> and you can keep ignoring the issue. You can keep talking around the issue. Until it's addressed, it's still going to be a problem. Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book, and Craig Button is Canada's Jimmy the Greek. Craig, what do you got this week? Hey, I'll tell you what. There's no way you can keep Matthews and Marner off the score sheet much longer. They're getting their looks. Both of them score at least one goal on Thursday in San Jose. Friday, Vancouver Canucks, unfortunately, go to 0-7-2. Yeah, that means they lost Thursday in Seattle. Pittsburgh waiting for them, beat them at home again. More jerseys on the ice Thursday on Friday? I don't know. Return of the Battle of Alberta, Calgary edition Saturday. Edmonton's third game in four days. Calgary's been resting. I'm taking Calgary at home to beat the Oilers for the second time this season. And I'm going head-to-head with Mr. Craig Button. I'll take the Oilers on Saturday. Feels like a 4-3 overtime or shootout game to me. So... How do you like them apples right back at you? And I'm calling an upset Saturday. Penguins, back-to-backs, they're in Seattle. I'll take Seattle, Craig, on Saturday night. Nothing gained if nothing's ventured. So I'm venturing some gambles here, Mr. Biden. That's why they call it gambling. <laughs> sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook. Log on to sia.com forward slash cool button pod. Sign up and deposit today, ladies and gentlemen. Tons going on in the sporting world. Canada Sportsbook is Sports Interaction, 19 plus. Please gamble and eat those apples responsibly. A few things on the agenda here. We do talk about coaches and a guy that you know very well, Pat Verbeek, is now with this Patrick Alvin praise or some would argue fake praise in support of Boudreaux. Would a Dallas Akins be in the most early trouble, Craig? And What's the code in hockey? There's already a coach. You come in, kind of what happened in Vancouver, but then Jim Rutherford said he was involved with ownership to bring in Bruce, so I don't know what is the truth. We do know this. Dallas Akins was there. The Ducks are reeling out of the gates, and then there's Pat Verbeek. So what's the code, manager and coach, when it's not your guy? Yeah, you you know, I don't think necessarily that you – that you look at your team and say, okay, I, I, I'm the general manager and I didn't want that. That coach was there before me. I don't want him. I think you always, I mean, I, I get it. You, you want to be simpatico. You want to have a relationship, coach manager relationship, you know, where, you know, where, I, I guess what I would call it, like where you're bonded to one another. That general manager hired me. He, I'm his guy. That the, the general manager looks. At, he's my guy. I, I get that, right? It's it. You know, and it, and it is a, it, it it is a it is a it is a marriage of sorts. It's a hockey marriage. I get that, and 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 certainly I do. I I think that Pat Verbeek. I don't think Pat Verbeek's a very measured person, and I think he knows exactly where his team is at. I you know they were transitioning from from a team. That was older to a younger team. Those players are young. Mason McTavish is young. Trevor Zegers is young. Jamie Drum. They're all young. Okay. I think there's a lot of promise in, in, in Vancouver, in, in Anaheim. And I think Pat knows that. 
I, I think that when you're when you're Pat Verbeek now, you're looking at a situation and you're saying, okay, what do we need from Dallas, right? And I, I think when he when he kept them on, he he realizes that Dallas can instill a lot of good things in there, much like Jeff Blaschel remaining in Detroit when Steve Eisenman went there. You know, I see it very similarly, Steve. And then you get to a point where you say, okay, it's time to make a change. I'm not so sure that less than 10 games into the season, it's time for a change. Because I don't think Anaheim, I mean, I know Anaheim has had some, some games where they weren't all that good, but how good are they? How good are they? I think Pat knows where they're at. We talked about this at the beginning of the season, Steve. They're one of the bottom six, seven teams. Are, are they fifth worst? Are they fourth worst? Are they sixth worst? Would, I don't think, I'm not surprised. I don't think Pat Verbeek's surprised. Well, when you see other teams who are bad play better, like Montreal or Chicago, and that's your tax brackets. And I'm not advocating for it for two reasons. I like Dallas. I think he is a good coach. He's been good with younger players. Uh, and he's always been great to us. I'm just I'm a realist, Craig. So you bring it up, you look at a start, one, five, and one, and and you just say, oh, and not your guy. And as a GM, you brought in, you know, Strom and Vertrano and Klingberg. Hey, the owner calls you and you're like, well, it's not my fault. And and I'm not saying it's like that. Just like the the the, the little nugget Barry Trotz dropped on our buddy Adam Strickland's podcast when he said an original six team intrigues me. And if you go through the original six teams, well, Detroit just hired a new coach. Rangers have Gerard Gallant. Um, Montreal just hired a new coach. Chicago, Luke Richardson off to a pretty good start. Boston just hired a new coach, which leaves only one team. <laughs> Like, I find that fascinating, fascinating. But this very, like, here's the thing, and here's me saying it. Barry Trotz is an A-plus, 10 out of 10 coach. But now he wants to be Bill, Par Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick, and he wants to pick the ingredients to be the chef. I don't know what he's like as a manager. Like, is he, is he waiting in the wings to be Pat Quinn in Toronto? What do we make of those comments? Well, they're interesting for sure. I, I like, you know, I, I always say this, right? Like, you know, like I, I guess control becomes something of, Oh, well, if I get more control, right. But you better be careful of what you want control of. Because what you what you ultimately gain control of, you might not be competent at controlling it. <laughs> time and time again, Pat Quinn's a very different case. I mean, Pat coached, you know, then Pat was a manager, and and like Pat had a lot of experience in, in managing. And even Pat recognized, you know, wait a second, I'm coaching. I need some people around me. He brought in people to to do some different things. He did that in Vancouver. He certainly did it in Toronto. And to me. You know, Barry Trotz is a coach. So you, you just talked about, or we talked about this off air. We talked about, you know, where you develop. Like, you know what? Like young players go to the American League and develop, or they go back to junior, or they go back to Europe to develop, to continue that progression. So you want to be a manager in the National Hockey League, and you think just because you've been a good coach, you're going to come and be a manager? Good luck. Good luck. I don't think Barry is naive. In fact, I know he's not naive and Barry's intelligent. So I, I don't know what all, like, you know, every coach has input into play into personnel. Every coach has this idea that coaches don't have input into playing personnel. It's wrong. Managers go and they ask their coach, what do you think? What do you think? How do you think coaches? It's always ongoing, but as a coach, listen, you know, I, I, I think Barry's proven unequivocally since 2014 when he went to the Washington Capitals that he is a top, top coach in this league. 
you know, he, he belongs in the upper echelon of coaches. Uh, in, in fact, I'll, I'll stop right here. I think him and John Cooper stand alone <laughs> from that period of time. I, and then we can talk about who's the third best. But for me, those are the two standard bears for best coaches in the league. And so if you're looking to upgrade your coaching, whoever you are, right? Barry Trotz is an absolute upgrade. And if you got if you got big time aspirations and you don't feel your team is performing to the level it needs to under its current coach, Barry Trotz is a hell of an option. <laughs> I'm with you on one, two, two, one in that category at the top of the pyramid change. Okay, when Calgary and Edmonton met and they're meeting again, the talk was about scheduling and you've been in the meetings. And I do believe that if you don't play everybody once, you're kind of provincial. Like it's easy to say, well, just have more games, Calgary, Edmonton, Rangers, Islanders, Toronto, Montreal, and who cares about Anaheim and San Jose and all that. And I looked at the schedule and the model that we, we, we basically have, you know, 32 games are taken care of other conference. Let's just say you are the New York Rangers. You play the West home and home 82 quickly becomes 50. Then you kind of get the four in your division or three, and then the two and three in the conference. If you are shaving, the only option of shaving is in the conference in the other division. Is there a plan of two other conference, four in your division, and two that kind of works is, is you know, Marty Buran said on our show this week, six games. I said, well, there's how many are we going to play? 96? What are we going to do, you know? So I get the rivalry, and I get that, yeah, if Anaheim's not good this year, but then if they got Pronger and Niedermeyer and Solani and, oh, then you want to see, and, oh, I got McDavid. Oh, oh, oh I, I get all that stuff, Craig. You've been in the meetings. We've got 32 teams now. Is there a perfect solution? And fans have asked us on the show, all I said is shaving in your own conference out of the division, that's the only play area that I see. Well, remember, we went back uh, from a league perspective to to playing, uh, you know, across conferences, home and home. That, that, that had been gone for a long period of time. You know, I always laugh when I see on the, on the thing, you know, it's not so much now, but four years ago, oh, uh, Anaheim hasn't, hasn't beaten uh, the, the Boston Bruins since 1992. Well, they've only played six times since 1992 <laughs> because of the way the schedule was like, you know, anyway, you're right. So, so that's not going away. So that's not going away. Right. The, the interconference play is, is stand because you know, they want that. We got the wild card for the, uh, for the uh, playoffs. Right. So now, so now there's always the potential that you're going to have to play within your conference cross division. As long as that exists, and that's why I think it has to be a bigger conversation, maybe not a bigger conversation, but a different one. And one that you've talked about, one versus eight. Is there a way to do one versus eight that incorporates, you know, we're going to play these 52 games in our conference, you know, and go that way. I think until that changes, I don't see another change. I think we just got to live with the way it is. And Gary doesn't like the one to eight. He feels you guys all talk about the best playoffs and we have them. All I say is I think we can make the best playoffs even better yeah. and then reward people in the regular season. Cause soon as you start to do what baseball did, I, I don't like this format, what the NBA did. You then weaken 
both your regular season, Craig, and your playoffs. And if you turn someone off, like there's a moment in your television show, in the movie where that, okay, I was living with this, but when he walked on water, only one guy can do that. I'm out of the theater. And if you ever, you know, do something in a sport that just, it's just not right. You can turn people off. It's not always just a given. They'll keep coming. They'll keep loving. They'll keep watching. And I think when you say, well, this regular season game doesn't matter because my team is in that seven to 10 category. So they're going to get in and then they're going to win a seven to 10 series. And then they're going to lose to the better team. So I'm kind of turned off. So I, that's the part of it that I'd like to hear what they're saying in the boardroom level. And I know it's about revenues. There's a danger of trying to create more revenues, but losing it on, on the back end. So with the scheduling, I kind of, I kind of get it. And I picked a team and gone through all the games of the Rangers. Would I like to add an Islander game here and shave off another game here? I guess I would. But when you're competing in the conference to make the playoffs, then you can't fudge the schedule and then say, well, hang on. We played San Jose five times. You played them once and we made the playoffs because we went five and zero against San Jose. You got to be careful, Craig, of something isn't totally broken, how you're trying to fix. And you've been in the meetings. You've been in the meetings. You nailed it though, Steve. It doesn't matter. You you absolutely just nailed it. Competitive balance and the and the, and the integrity of the competition. You just nailed it. And that's it there. Whether, whether you're in the meetings or you're not in the meetings, you nailed it perfectly. There's nothing more to add to that. I you, You're always looking to improve. Revenues are up in the NHL during pandemic. They're going to continue to rise, right? And, and the NHL is always looking at, okay, can we improve here? Can we improve there? Like they are. And we can debate the one versus eight and the division play. And, you know, Gary's right about we love the playoffs, right? So what are we trying to really do? Are we, are we trying to make sure at the end we have our best teams playing, which I think is that, but are we limited? There's more than two best teams playing now. You know, there's lots of, look at the college football playoff now. They want to expand that because they know there's more teams than just four that get voted in, five, six are out. We have the benefit of the wild card and yeah, there's good teams that get knocked out of the playoffs, but are we losing our Stanley Cup contenders? You know, when you have eight, nine, 10 Stanley Cup contenders, well, guess what? Only two of them can play at the end. (laughs) So Perhaps we're just looking at a system that, uh, or, or, or a solution that doesn't need to be put into place because things are working pretty darn well. Yeah. And remember, we don't want just the first round of the playoffs to be the greatest thing ever. And it is. And then it diminishes, it goes, and then gets sweeps in the final or the best two. Like we have to, we want that layered cake to be you know, building. We don't want people to be tuned out with warm weather at the conference final. We want to be, what a first round, but what a second round, what a third round, and what a great Stanley Cup final. That's kind of what people were missing in the narrative. A four-layered cake, not just a first-round layered cake, Mr. Button. Well, and and so I'm going to give you an example. 2016, Washington and Pittsburgh play. (laughs) Fantastic. Who goes on to win the Stanley Cup? Well, the Pittsburgh Penguins. 17. Oh, Washington and Pittsburgh play again. Who goes on to win the Stanley Cup? Pittsburgh. And oh my God, Washington, they're never going to win. 2018, who plays again? Washington and Pittsburgh. Washington vanquishes all those bad memories of the Pittsburgh Penguins and they go on to win the Stanley Cup. You don't think there wasn't a lot of interest in watching Ovi and those guys? You're exactly right, Mr. Coolius. And that's exactly what we have to keep in mind. The Stanley Cup winners in 2011, and there's still some players around from that team for Boston. Um, 
one of them hasn't played yet and is skating again. The other one is a Hall of Famer, of course. And I'm talking about Pasternak and Marchand. So I got to say right now, hats off to Jim Montgomery and hats off to David Krejci and the Boston Bruins because I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. But for right now, I'm wrong. I, I don't know who's in Nets named Linus Allmark, but he hasn't played in the league before. Not like this. The Bruins and some like Nick Foligno is back apparently. Who the heck is AJ Greer? I, you know, he's like, He's been bouncing around uh, Krejci and Pasternak. And for those in Boston that have always said, well, look at our guys. They don't make a lot of money. And those in the media that always say, well, look at the Bruins guys. Well, they'll have a t- they're going to have another digit player because there's no way 88. Where's 88? It's funny how it all comes together like a Seinfeld episode. 88 is going to get paid. And it's not going to be 8.8 or something that makes, you know, people very happy in the Boston media. So hats off to Krejci, the Bruins, and Pasternak for this start. Uh, What does it mean at the end? I'm not sure. Maybe they'll be fourth or maybe they'll be fifth, like I said. But that'll be the wild card because the Metro will have three great teams. I don't know. But for right now, the Bruins and Jim Montgomery and 88 are a story. That's my final thoughts. They are a story and, and a great story, right? I mean, you got Allmark, you got Swayman. You know, McAvoy's out of the lineup. He won't be back for a while. Imagine when he comes back in the lineup. Go back and think about the trade Don Sweeney made last year. Oh, for a defenseman. Oh, Hampus Lindholm. Oh, yeah. You know, just like Joe Sackick made a trade for Josh Manson. You talk about coming all the way back. Didn't we talk about the Vancouver Canucks not addressing their problems? How come all these other teams strengthen their blue line? And the Vancouver Canucks wallow and twist in the wind, not fixing their problems. Anyway, the Boston Bruins are good. You know, bringing Krejci back. You know, Krejci, for whatever reason, felt he needed time off, whatever he, whatever he wanted to do. Maybe it was just simply to play in the Olympics. I don't know. But I know David Krejci's come back. And he, he looks like he, he's as good as he ever was. Like, I mean, his brain works at, at, at a magnificent rate. He's a problem solver. He's a creator of offense. You know, I, I think it helps Bergeron. You know, Jim Montgomery's working with his with different areas of his lineup. Jim Montgomery's a good coach, you know, and they, they let go of a really good coach. When you change a coach, Steve, that might be the easiest part of the conversation. But then you say, okay, who are we going to replace him with? Don Sweeney did pretty good. You know, he made a decision that said, okay, I want to make a change for whatever reason, whether we agree with it or not. Jim Montgomery's a good coach. And I'll tell you what Don Sweeney has been able to do. He's been able to add some of those players that you talked about, allow certain players in the lineup to succeed, like we said, uh, believed in Felino to get healthy, I guess. And maybe sometimes as a manager, Mr. Button, as the music comes in, the best trade you make is the one you don't. They solve the Jake DeBrusque problem, and it seems to be kumbaya in Boston and the second you trade a Thomas Caberlet or Jake DeBrusque, you know what you say? You know what we need? We need a guy like Thomas Caberlet. Well, where do we find him? Oh, well, we just traded him away. So the Jake DeBrusque situation sorted itself out as it appears the Bruins lineup is as well. If the Bruins are part of the mix in the Atlantic and these three new teams are cute and cuddly, Ottawa, Detroit, um, and what they're able to do in Buffalo, this is intrigue, my friend. I love what we're seeing in the Atlantic. We traded Larry Murphy. Minnesota North Stars traded Larry Murphy in the fall of 1990 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And 
three weeks later, we were looking for a right shot defenseman that could run our power play and get the puck up to our forwards. Ryan Bellows had the best line I ever heard. He said, geez, we had Larry Murphy. He was pretty good. He goes, we had Murph. We used to get the puck on our stick. Now we get the puck off our butts. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, that's it for episode 88. Uh, we hope that you think it was great. 89, Alexander McGillney. What a player he was back in his day. For producer Bruce Bolton, Mr. Craig Button, I'm Steve Coolius. Hats off to 88 Pasternak and the Boston Bruins. Until next time, be good, be well, oh, and enjoy the hockey.